And we are recording with the one and only Mr. Up, Joseph man? Teddy. Dale might be joining us. We don't know. And uh my uh my my neon for anybody watching, again, I don't know how to change these lights. I just move. That's why I look like I'm in a Miami nightclub, is because I have Dude, no fucking kind of cool idea. looking though. Thank you. <laughs> it's kind of seedy looking. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I look at I look like I'm running like an underage prostitution ring in Miami in the eighties. I kind of yeah, I look like I should be like a kind of a creepy roller ring kind of guy. But hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it. It's all I got. But um yeah, no, it's uh you and you and Dale did a training course for and I cuz I saw I did see videos of it on Instagram like 2 months ago where I think you guys were in like a weight room and you guys were like moving around with like guns drawn or something. But could you could you go into that? Could you explain it? Well, then I think Joe's image froze up for anybody listening. Uh, the Internet's been spotty. He'll be back any second. But yeah, he and Dale did a uh, we're training for, I believe, a private client. And uh, I don't know what it was, but I saw him doing a ton of shit, like breaking out of zip ties. And one of the things I saw him doing was they were they're like clearing like a like a weight room with like pistols or something. And I think he is back. There he is. Yeah, man. So I don't know what's going on, brother. You're um, good. You're good, dude. And Dale, Dale's joining us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. Uh, here he is. We got some bad weather here actually right now, dude. It's not raining hard, but there's like a lot of thunder and lightning. So, and you know, I live in the fucking boonies. Yeah. So that's yeah. the only drag, man, about internet here. It's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's, Miss, so hey, hey, hey dale you like my uh you like, you like my creepy uh my creepy uh underage roller rink lights i got going on in here right now I actually i i actually have the same thing at night i got blue in here i got blue uh, lights every- all right fuck yeah well it's i therapeutic. Yeah. did you know that blue light is actually therapeutic yeah no it induces like melatonin secretion yes. in your brain yes, sir. i just don't know how to change them so i'm just oh man leave it yeah, well, fuck it. I'll leave. What, what do I care? Um, but yeah, uh, these are, this is the first day of new episodes in the 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 new apartment. And uh, so Dale, uh, Joe is just we're just about to get into. Can you guys kind of explain that like that client training you got? Because I saw one video, and it was you two back to back in like a gym with your guns drawn. And I didn't know what the fuck it was, but I also didn't really question it because it just seems like par for the course with you guys. Like, of course, Dale and Joe are in a gym with guns drawn. But like, what what was that? Can we just start from there? Joe, do you want to explain that? Hey, well, well, this guy, um, don't his name's not important. Sure. But, uh, young man, we call, well, to Dale and I, he's a young man, he's 28. Super, super intelligent. He's got what, Dale, what, three masters or some shit? Like, just a brainiac, right? Um, but uh, his father actually contacted us and wanted dale and i to um run a course for him um just to kind of get him up to speed for what may come in this country right Mm -hmm. 
And uh, Dale did most of the, you know, talking with this gentleman, his dad. But long story short, when it came down to it, he needed two months <laughs> for what this guy wanted. And, you know, to be honest with that, I told Dale, I'm like, dude, they're, they're not going to pay, like, what is commensurate with, what, two, two months, months of training deal. And it was literally six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, you know, half a day off on Sunday. It was just hit and miss because we pieced together training, bad weather and whatnot. And then, shit, when I got done or we got COVID, fucking deal, <laughs> right? We, we were, I was there a week and we both got COVID, <laughs> you know, so um anyway but yeah dude it was the full money with this guy um you name it we did it you know um a little bit of everything and it was really cool because i have never i've never trained anybody for two months not that long yeah so i flew down to to uh, panama city beach where dale has a house and then um this guy flew in from miami or he drove in he stayed at a uh, Airbnb, and uh, we were off and running. Gym every morning, pool, swimming, and then right in the classroom. And we did a little bit of everything. Dill did all the combatives, boxing, grappling, pistol. We did pistol carbine, tracking. Uh, you know, dude, it was a lot. Getting out of handcuffs, flex cuffs, apprehension avoidance, you know, CQB. Uh, it was a lot. It was a very comprehensive course. Um, no doubt he was a changed man. Yeah. And so like so just just for just for comparison, how long is y'all's training normally? Like what's like a good normal client? A week. I mean and that's like you go to a shooting course or something, you know, three days, five days, a week. That's two months is unheard of. I mean, I even asked Dill, have you ever heard of such a thing? He's like, No. Like Well so that guy that guy had a pretty penny, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. Dale, yeah, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking, yeah, it's he, 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 well, he paid for two months worth of very successful weeks. young man and very successful father. Yeah, but fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, is that now does that so like someone like me, y'all have met me, I'm, I'm a total idiot, I can barely tie my shoes. What can two months actually do from someone from baseline? Go ahead, Dale. Um, well, I did a lot. First of all, you know, we focused on the basics and um, everybody wants the high speed, advanced, you know, sexy stuff that usually doesn't work. I have a saying, advanced techniques are the basics mastered. So that's what we focused on was the basics. And uh, if you can master the basics, you can, with training, experience and intuition, build on that. And uh so that's what we focused on, you know, for example, um, you know, you know, combatives. Okay. I taught them basic one, two punch. Okay. If you can master a one, two punch, you could probably win 99% of your street fights, hands down. Um, everything else you can build on, um, but you have to understand the fundamentals. For example, um, a fighting platform, uh, movement of your feet, because, for example, combatives is not, um, it's not about how strong you are. It's a really, it, your, your power is derived from your feet and, and, uh, and momentum, right? So basically applying your weight and inertia behind your strikes. That's what it comes down to. So, you know, now I got to, so like when they showed up, they thought, you know, this, 
the key to being successful in combatives, for example, is hit as hard as you possibly can with all your power. And that lasted for about 15 seconds, and then they were too exhausted to continue. So what, you know, the, the process, you know, we took them through was, listen, um, speed is power. Um, relax. The more you relax, the faster you become. Right. So, you know, so our approach is different. Um, and because that we use that approach at the end, um, you know, these guys were like, wow, we have been fundamentally transformed. Um, you know, their life has been changed on uh, their way of looking at uh, just life in general. But um, now looking at movies and looking at actual combatives and, and uh, you know, different types of skill sets, they have a different view on it right they realize that hollywood is hollywood and hollywood's bullshit um and so you know welcome to the real world and so i feel like uh, and i and and to their you know they made the comment that uh you know they feel like you know they're unstoppable at this point they've got a good foundation to build from and um and i saw it i saw the transformation Uh, we saw it you know in everything they did you know we we gave him a diagnostics uh, physical fitness test in the beginning, just kind of get a, a baseline for their, you know, how many pushups can they do cardio, um, you know, certain types of, uh, you know, strength exercises. And we just as a baseline to build off of. And uh, here's the cool part is, you know, so like Joe said, right off the bat, we all got COVID literally every one of us got COVID like out of the blue, bam, you know, and so, but we, we, Charlie Mike, and, uh, you know, I was down for probably three days in my bed initially. And, uh, I think I was the first one to get hit with it. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then what happened was, so by the way, for all the freaking clowns out there that thinks, you know, Ivermectin is horse pace like that, you know, that freaking weirdo George Tataki and all these other liberals, uh, Ivermectin that shit works. works. Okay. That shit works. Right. Yeah. I took it. I took it. And within 24 hours, I was feeling better. 48 hours, I was more than halfway. And by 72 hours, I was back on my feet swinging, man. Uh, yep. no, you know, no long-term COVID shit like that, right? So, you know, we, we powered right through that with the help of ivermectin. Um, and we were able to continue the uh, the training cycle. We just made a few adjustments to the schedule. But, um, at, you know, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, we saw these guys, like, for example, I told them, one of the things we talk about in our training is, um, without going into too many details on it, the psychosoma engineering piece of it. What does that mean, mind-body engineering? So what, we're, what, I, what we, we tried to push on these guys was, listen, man, you can make huge exponential gains in everything you do if you just imagine it visualize it there's a there's a there's a physiology and a science that supports that right there's there's things that happen to you biologically um physiologically psychologically um you know spiritually that that allow you to literally overnight start making you know huge gains and uh and we use that for example that example with one of the guys he could barely bench press i forget what it was at this point but his goal was oh yeah it was 225 um and he couldn't get that 225, you know? And I said, you know what? I said, I want you to imagine it. I want you to visualize it. Then we all came down with COVID. So now we're, he can't go to the gym and work out. But after a few days, we brought him back and put him on the bench press and imagine it, you know, and I talked him through the process. And there is a process, okay? It's not just imagination, but there's more, a little bit more to it than that. But he did it. And guess what? He bench pressed 225, okay? Boom. He couldn't believe so, it. 
Yeah. So these, you know, so our approach is different from, you know, all these other guys are out there, you know, stay hard, you know, fucking harder, faster, you know, um, you know, you know, more, 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 you know, they put all the sexy shit up front, you know, we, and we talk a lot about that in the training too, by the way, you know, like, okay, for example, think, you know, the Brooks ghost think again, introducing the all new better than ever ghost 16 now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good. Every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You know, yo, Dolly, listen, man, I've been shooting handguns most of my life, um, at least since I was 23 and became a Delta Force operator. All right, I'm pretty decent with a handgun, obviously. Um, But listen... Um, here's the reality of it. Okay. Here's the reality of sh- being a really good shot with a handgun. So fucking what? You're probably never gonna shoot anybody with a handgun. Um, especially when you go out to, you know, you go to the range, you're practicing fucking, you know, El Presidente in the Mozambique and two to the body, one to the head, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're fucking shooting the balls off a fly at a hundred fucking meters. Um, it's not gonna happen. So, but you know what? Guys are teaching that, you know, and everybody thinks it's important to know that shit. Actually, it's not. What's important is mastering the fundamentals, the fundamentals of drawing a handgun, presenting it, and shooting accurately. You don't have to shoot a fucking dime at 10 meters, okay? You just got to be able to put around center fucking mass or mm-hmm. in the fucking central nervous system, right? So this is where we're, this is where we depart from the herd, okay? Uh, we go into another level of training. We focus a lot on the mindset okay the nervous system okay the nervous system is everything um and so we go into the science of it and that's what separates us from the gunslingers out there um you know the the one trick ponies the the niche guys you know um you know the you know hoorah you know dude don't quit you know fucking you know man let me tell you something um you, you know you can everybody's gonna quit Here's the deal, man. You know, we all only have so much sustained determination in our in our gas tank, okay? At some point, the tank runs dry, okay? And you're going to have to get out, and you're going to have to push that fucking car because you ain't got going to get gas in the tank if you want to use, keep using that vehicle to get you where you need to go. Uh, and this is where it's separate, that we separate the men from the boys, right, is the mindset that it takes to push that car and to push that car by yourself, okay, up that hill, and so that's therein is the difference. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of guys that are accomplished out there and have achieved a lot of things. And I'm not trying to, you know, disparage what they have done or, or you know, anything like that. But comparatively speaking, okay, and I'm going to go back to the Delta Force um, selection process. Uh, it, and why is that so different from any other selection process out there to include the Navy Buds? All right. The, the difference is this, when a, when a guy goes through, a candidate goes through to be a Delta, Delta Force operator, excuse me, um, he's going through by himself. He's not going through as a group, right? He's not running through the, down the beach on a, with a bunch of logs on his shoulders and, you know, and ribs and, you know, and fucking rolling around in sand and, you know, and, and cold and miserable. Okay, look, dude, um, you could be dumb as a rock and do all that shit, okay? I mean, really, I mean, listen, I mean, we, you know, there was a time and there's still times where 
people have enslaved others to do stuff like that. And they, every day was, you know, a serious gut check. Okay. But the difference is in Delta selection, um, it was understood that your body is going to give out on you. It is going to break. They're going to break it. Actually, they're going to, they're going to have you break your own body. They're just going to tell you what to do. They're not even going to tell you how fast to go. They're not going to tell you what the standard is. They're just going to say, do the best you can. All right. If you got any live brain cells, you go, well, I guess the best I can is going to be a hundred percent plus because I don't know what the standard is. I don't want to do anything less than that. Otherwise I won't make it. Um, and so, um, you know, when the body breaks, what do you got left? The mind, the mind is the only thing that's going to keep you going. And the mind's got to talk to the broken body into getting up and continue to march. Um, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the guy with the, with the uh, invincible mind, uh, the guy with the bodybuilder marathon mind. Okay. Not the bodybuilder marathon body. Okay. <laughs> that's look, the marathon guys, the bodybuilder guys, and they're out there. They know who they, you guys know who they are. I'm going to mention their names. They didn't make it through Delta selection. Nope. They made excuses too. Okay. Um, because, you know, their body broke and they're like, oh, my body broke. So I got to get recycled. Listen, dude, I got to do it on my team. Broke two, two damn legs. All right. And made through Delta selection on two broken legs. Jeez. Didn't tell nobody. Charlie Mike tuck, duct tape his shit together. And I've seen him do it um, and made it. So the moral of the story where I'm, where I'm going with all this is it relates to the training we just did. Um, what we try to do is instill a certain way of thinking. OK, that's very rare. Some people do it. They don't even know they're doing it and they're successful. What we do is we break it down to the science. There's a science that supports this. Literally, there's a science behind this. And once you understand the science of performance and what you're going through, then then you can move mountains. OK, that's that. There it is. You can move mountains. Um, if you don't understand the science, um, it's going to take you a lot longer to get up that hill if you ever get up that hill, so to speak. Um, so anyways, this course was, I thought was very successful. It was, a, it wasn't, uh, it was kind of a gentleman's course, but it was not. Okay. And, and so we could have went every day, went balls to the walls and, and it had been a smoke fest. I guarantee you all of us would have lasted about a week and we'd have had to take a break. Right. Yeah. We wanted to do that, but that right. wasn't the, the, obje the objective. The objective was to train these guys. So we actually kind of worked bankers hours, man. We went to the gym around nine o'clock in the morning. We all linked up there. We had an agenda. Um, we trained these guys on what to do, how to lift weights, diet, nutrition. Um, we gave them certain things, some certain standards to meet. Um, and then we we let them also um, experiment, right? So, boom, we did we did uh, gym several times a week. We went to the pool several times a week. Joe did a lot of swimming with these guys, um, built their confidence in the pool. And, um, and so... And then we'd come back, we'd regroup sometime after 12 o'clock and we'd go to our classroom and we started either the classroom portion of instruction supported by hands-on and practical applications, right? And we covered, uh, man, a whole myriad of, of topics to include things like lock picking, uh, making improvised detection devices, high-speed and technical driving, uh, all the weapons craft stuff, edge weapons, blunt weapons, combatives grappling um and, this, and all of this was oriented towards um what is really practical okay well i'm not out there teaching taekwondo kicks all right and karate chops all right <laughs> i'm gonna teach what i know works yeah. okay um and and what i've proven that it works and so i i presented an eclectic system um it's a combination of things that actually work i string them together using 
the psychosomal engineering process that I've just talked about. Um, so it all it's all fluid and flows together and it, and it makes more sense and it helps uh, to in the body. Um, we had a great time towards the end. Um, we had uh, some interesting requests from the students to, for example, um, the reality is it came to us because um, they had never been challenged in their life. Their whole life, um, you know, has been, you know, they've been coddled uh, and they admitted it. Uh, particularly one fellow, he admitted that, you know, he had a coddled life. Um, and there's no shame in that. He was born sure. into it. Can't help that, right? So, you know, um, you know, and so he wanted to test himself. Not only did he want to test himself, but it's actually his father that called me first. And I originally I thought the training they wanted was, you know, basically the online, you know, psychosomal engineering program that we offer. But um after talking about it, he goes, well, I'd really be more interested in having my son come and live, you know, in your area, get an Airbnb or whatever, um, and, and actually do training with the, with you. Right. And I said, to what end? He goes, well, you know, he goes, as Joe mentioned earlier, you know, we live in a very feral world and, um, it's getting worse and worse and people are becoming, um, more and more concerned. Um, this guy was, um, actually, he was Russian American, um, Jewish, um, very wealthy, conservative, um, out of Miami, and uh, and so you know, and his entire family has kind of seen what's happening in our country, mm -hmm. and short of joining the military to learn these skills, which, by the way, he indicated, and and I and I have to agree, you know, the military has become woke. We're not sure if that's the place to go for the for training anymore, um, at least to protect, you know. America the way you know for what it is but not to get political but um you know and why would a guy with three master's degree working on his PhD that's got millions of dollars at the age of 28 want to join the <laughs> army right so um you know so it's better to come to us pay the money and and but what he wanted was to test his metal so to speak so um besides training him he wanted to see how tough he is and by the way that seems to be a common theme in all these trainings that I do the hands-on training. Most of my clients, when I do this, are very wealthy. Um, they're men that have spent their entire lives making money and building businesses, and they actually live through guys like me and Joe vicariously going, I wonder what it would have been like. Mm -hmm. And so we offer them that experience. Of course, it's never going to be the same, but we give them a t we let them touch the magic for a second. It's like, okay, you know, here's kind of you know some things that you you can take home with you. Um, you know, we'll give you a gut check, and and uh, and now it becomes. Uh, a skill set that hopefully will either help you or save you someday or save your family. And two, it becomes a conversation piece when you're sitting around the boardroom, right. And, uh, <laughs> and talking business. So, um, and so this is what he, you know, the request was, Hey, you know, can you put me through the, you know, can you put me through the ringers a little bit? Like, like sure. what <laughs> his request was, well, you know, like maybe hang me from my hand, you know, it kind of tortured me. And I'm like, well, dude, no, we're not going to hang you from your hands <laughs> in about five minutes. We'll have to amputate those because, you know, because, uh, you know, it's not, that's not how it works, you know? And, uh, well, I know what he wanted, Joe, you know, Joe and I discussed it at length. It's like, you know, we walk a fine line. The fine line is, you know, training the guy, giving the client what he wants, but also the liability that goes with that, you know, right, and if we this guy, right. We've, we've, you know, all the, all the good stuff we've done is wiped out. And so, yeah. so it became a, it became a balancing act. It, it, we, you know, we, we did some thinking about it, some planning around it and we came and we, I'm not going to reveal what we actually did. Um, but you know, we, we honored his request. 
nobody got hurt. Um, he had the shit scared out of him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so, um, you know, and, and it didn't take as long, you know, <laughs> about an hour and a half. Actually, it was an all-day event, but it culminated right. with about an hour and a half of, uh, of uh, a horror show. And uh, and we finally we finally decided that at this point we need to go ahead and index it because we continue to let this go at this rate. Um, we're gonna fucking we're gonna create monsters, man. And so you know, and psychologically impaired people. I don't know. So we we ended it, you know. And so and look, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into what we did, but right. he got what he asked for, and he enjoyed it. He appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, you know, after after the the stress wore off, after the shock wore off, and he was able to uh, digest everything, it's like, okay, thanks a lot, man. That was freaking, that was awesome. So, um, we did things like kill classes. Um, you know, oh you know, yeah, all you, that was all awesome. you all you PETA people out there. Yep, oh, we killed some. Yep, and we ate them. Yep, <laughs> we tried to make mittens out of them. Um, but uh, you, know, it, you know, like these guys, as, you know, the question was posed: Have you ever killed anything? Anything? No, there you go. So yeah. how are you gonna how are you gonna how are you gonna survive in this world if you don't know if you can kill something? And and everybody out there thinks, well, I, if I had to kill something, I could kill some bullshit. Yeah. I bullshit. It's not part of the human condition. All right. There's plenty of studies out there to support that. Um, that it's not. You know, read uh, for example, uh, uh, on killing by D- David Grossman. Right. He he goes quite in depth on that. Um, it's a, it's a, I think it's a pretty good read. But there's other studies out there to support that as well. And my personal and Joe's personal experience. Look, I've been down range. Um, you know, you know, you know, exchanging lead with fucking people. You look to your left and right, and there's just some guys posing, posturing, actually not getting it because. There's a natural aversion to killing. Okay, right. if it wasn't, we would be killing each other all day long, right? So, um, so it's something that's got to be, with the exception of a very small percentage, like one percent. Okay, if you if you took a hundred men, okay, soldiers, probably only a fraction of those are actually going to kill. Okay, naturally, without any training, uh, the rest have to be conditioned. Okay, to the point where they have to be conditioned to kill and have to see their their target as something that's other than human, right? They have to dehumanize the target. That's why we use things like green silhouettes and ipsic targets, right? Um, because it be because that's and that's what we re, and that's how we refer to the enemy. You know, there's a target over there. There's a target over there. Um, you know, we don't say, hey, there's a man over there. There's yeah. a human over there. Shoot him, right? So this is a psychological aspect to this whole thing as well. And so. Anyways, the point, you know, the point is, um, you know, we, we basically had to pop their freaking cherry and, uh, and we took them out to the field and, uh, we did some field craft with them a little bit, you know, really it was just, um, immerse them into the, the field, which by the way, was down at where I live in Florida and it was very hot, humid, a lot of mosquitoes. Uh, you know, we were, it was pretty, pretty cool location where we were at, um, but we took them out there and put a little bit of a backpack on them. Not didn't walk them hard or far, but just give them the whole experience of building a you know a high uh, a, basically a bivouac site, right? What do you mean a hide site? It's like hey, here's how you put up a poncho hooch, you know, you know. Here's some recommendations. Living in the field tactically, um, you know, they came out with which was funny, like a red and <laughs> white polka dotted hammock, right? <laughs> and he's it, like and he's like super lightweight pink and blue freaking ponchos. And I'm like Jesus Christ, take that shit down. You're sleeping on the ground, right? And uh, and uh, 
So, you know, these are things. So you got to imagine these are guys and both of them are 28 years old. Um, and uh, the real irony of it is one of them is actually um, a Catholic priest um, going through the seminary. Uh, oh. And the other guys, yeah. uh, a wealthy Jewish guy. And they were roommates. Right. Uh, and so, um, you know, they're good, solid dudes. They're like scary, sure. smart, man. Like super yeah. scary, smart. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're both they're both motivated. They're, they're this episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu both didn't mind well sure you know mixing it up right so yeah. that was that was the upside to it too so we got some smart guys that don't mind bang, getting you know banged up and they don't mind you know doing some hard stuff you know and uh and they, and so it was a good fit um to a point where it was almost um like any group of alpha males when you put a bunch of alphas together especially when they don't know each other you go through the five um phases of uh, of team building right um, the first one is forming, and the second second one is storming. There's this, there's this. Everybody's jousting for position and mm-hmm. jousting for position, you know, in this hierarchy, you know, which was already established, right? But they didn't know that. Um, but they hadn't occurred to them yet. It's like uh, you guys are just the students. Uh, you're not in charge, and uh, they were trying to work it out between them. But, anyways, um, we spent we spent some little bit of time in the field, and then as a surprise. We had uh, the delivery truck come with a couple of rabbits and uh, it's like showtime, you know, freaking, you know, and, uh, and we coached him on how to, you know, how to, how to humanely kill an animal, sure. um, you know, how to uh, basically, you know, skin it and prepare it and, uh, you know, uh, tan the hides and, and everything goes along with that. But w- the caveats again, you know, um, was one, do not make the animal suffer. Okay, do not make them. It's got to be a clean kill. The first shot, first shot. Of course, they bone that real right off the bat, right? Um, so killing, for example, and yet they had to kill the animal with their bare hands. Okay, um, I didn't give them a knife or a gun or a club. It's like you're going to kill it with your bare hands because maybe that's all you got. Sure. Okay, and not only that, it's faster. Okay, uh, I think if you do it properly, right? So, so was that breaking breaking the neck? Well, basically, you know, yeah, basically what they're going to do is break the spine, but there's a way to do it that requires some inertia. Um, And so, and, uh, and, and, and it's like, you know, don't hold back. Do not hold back. Let her, you know, go, go for the fences. Right. And so he did, they they, they both screwed it up, you know, it took him a couple of shots to get it done and uh, nothing worse than hearing a rabbit squeal. Right. And so, and as soon as that happened, Joe just lost his shit. He goes, all right, you two fuckers, let's go. And we took him down to the, uh, where we live is kind of like a bayou um, off the coast of Florida. Inlet waterway, uh, salt water, there are alligators in there. And uh, it's a, it's kind of marshy. And uh, he took him down there and, and put him in the water for a while and rolled him in the sand, made sugar cookies out of him and then ran, ran him back. And uh, they had to finish, uh, they had to finish the task that night, right? Which included um, starting uh, building a fire, Okay, using improvised techniques. And then uh, once they did that, you know, um, cooking the animal and eating it. So, um, and then it rained, which was made it even more fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was, Tom, I tell you, it was, um, it was an eye opener. 
uh, for both of them. And it's funny because sometimes I'll take, um, I'll look at some of this stuff and really not think like, man, these guys have never experienced something like this. It's something that I've experienced or Dale has where it may not seem to be a really big deal at the time, but this is the majority of the people out there. They've never done some of this stuff. And you kind of take it for advantage, like, really? And and you start thinking about it. And it's like, well, why would they have ever done that? Yeah. They had no, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, one night, um, we took them for a, uh, a scout swim around all these big-ass boats in this bay. And uh, Dale and I reconned it one night. We went out having a few beers. And, I mean, you can see sharks, you know, fins coming out of the water at night. I'm like, oh. fuck. Like straight up, you know, like, and we told them, we're like, Hey man, there's sharks in the water. You know, it is what it is. So we go down there and, um, we get in the water and I could tell once we got in the water, they were, they were a little nervous, you know, we're around these big boats we're swimming in between them. Right. They've never done it before. And sure enough, dude, we go through these we zig and zag and zig and zag and zig and zag. And we're coming back. And as we're coming back right in front of us, dude, I mean, like maybe five feet, thing comes right out of the water. Oh, yeah, dude, right. I said, y'all saw, <laughs> I look back and their eyes look like two fucking teacups, man. And I said, it's all good. Just relax, you know, take yourself to the happy place. But they they thought that was the coolest shit, you know, um, because it was something they had never done before. They'd never been in that kind of water and it was nasty dude it was like oil was in the water or sludge and it was it was pretty nasty um but um one one thing is funny just to go back to the gym and uh it 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 really has nothing to do with the training it just has to do with alpha males and like who in the fuck are these two guys so we go to this gym and, you know, of course you go in there and you're, you're getting eyes screwed by every person. And they're like, who are these two guys? Right. You know, Dale's got a very unique look. He's, you know, he's got a great physique and, you know, so we're always getting eyes screwed by these, these dudes. And you can see people snickering and saying shit because Dale's out there freaking knocking the shit out of the freaking punching bag. And I'm out there fucking doing shit with my knife. And people are like, who in the fuck are these guys? Right. <laughs> and I had it. I, I got so fucking mad. I was just like, you know what? All right, you motherfuckers, put your money where your mouth is. So I went to the manager, he has still, and uh, he's a former Marine. And I said, you know what? I said, we're only here for a little while, and I'd like to put out a fitness challenge to everybody at the gym. And I told him what it was. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, dude, we were there two months. Not one fucking big mouth answered the call. Not one. Dude, it was, it, it, it just, you know, it was so funny. And I didn't, I didn't plan on doing that. I just kept telling Dale, like one time I went to the gym by myself and I'm like, Hey, remember those two dudes? And they're like, yeah, it's like just snickering, pointing, you know, that kind of shit. And I had it, dude. I'm like, all right, fuck everybody in here. You know what? Let's, let's see what you got, you know? And, uh, yeah, not, nobody too much. And, and, and ask Dale, I was literally going up to guys like, Hey stud, you look like you're in good shape.
And I'm like, well, let's like start off with like a two or three mile swim, you know? And, and he's like, huh? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I'm not that good of a swimmer. I'm like, next, <laughs> you know, like, but anyway, yeah, man, it was pretty funny. But you, you said you did say it in your book. Actually, both y'all book, shameless plug, Dell Comstock, American Badass, Joe Ted, I loan operator. Joe, you said it in your book about approaching that guy at like a diner or something. And you're like, and I know I have crazy eyes. And you just, just when you did it, like, hey, stud, I do imagine you going up to someone at the gym and there's like, who the fuck <laughs> is this guy? I would have to have, you know, guys that got the Ferrari bodies, right? Yeah. They got the Lamborghini bodies, but they got jack shit under the hood. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, it's all it's just all like the yellow saying, you know, like, yeah, you may look the part. Yeah. Okay. You can bench 400 pounds. Okay. That's cool. But like, really, what does well, that what mean? It doesn't do it. it no, really, no, it doesn't mean anything. It means like, it, yeah, I, I, it, it doesn't. To, at least to me, it doesn't. I'm all about functional fitness yeah. and, and cardio respiratory endurance and all that shit, you know, uh, the like kind of total package thing. But yeah, dude, I was, I just had it with that place, man. After about a week. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put a fucking, I'm going to, I'm going to nip this shit in the bud right now. And, uh, one guy was a former pro football player. This black dude. who's very, very in good shape. I mean, you can just tell he was in spectacular shape. And one of the guys that we were training, it's like, dude, that's the guy right there. said, he'd do it with you. I'm like, bring his ass over here right now. And I, I told him what I want to do. He's like, nah, I think I'll pass. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, you know, it's all good. Um, but it was, it was, uh, dude, it was great to work with Dale for, you know, two months. And you know what, dude, you'd be surprised when you train people, you actually start remembering things like, oh shit, like, didn't you, rem- you know, things you forgot. But as you're teaching, like we're doing the tracking piece and talking about the nuances of tracking and like all these little details that you just start regurgitating. You know, just like, oh, yeah, you, you always put the track between you and the sun and just like little nuances. That's what they really got off on was the detail stuff. Sure. You know, well, that's what that's what I was going to ask you guys is, um, is, is, is there anything you learned? And I know that's kind of like a, like a hallmarky question. Like, and what did the, what did the teacher learn? But really, like when you're doing these things, are there things that, either that you learn in the art of teaching someone or yeah, does it sort of reawaken something? Do you remember something that maybe you haven't dusted off in a while? Both for me, both first off, you know, I don't have Dale's pedigree when it comes to combatives. Um, You know, I, I know basic, basic stuff, but training with him and watching the grappling and the boxing because we we would hit the bag at the gym then go back to the classroom and we had mats and so just the little nuances of combatives boxing and grappling that i just wasn't aware of because of dale's pedigree i learned stuff so it was also you know and yeah absolutely you know teaching you know um when you start getting into the weeds and you know, we're both passionate teachers. It's just, you keep regurgitating stuff and it just starts coming up. And hmm. I mean, to credit the Dale and I, I mean, like we can have notes and crib notes. Like it was just like, all right, we're teaching a class on tracking, boom, you know, off and running. And so, um, it was, uh, both for me. I, I don't want to speak for Dale, but definitely sure. both for me. Well, my, my best teachers are my students. I learned something from every one of them. I don't care where I'm doing, if I'm coaching, you know, performance coaching, hands-on coaching, 
they're my best, my, they're my best teachers because, um, and I tell all my students, you know, this is a two-way street, right? Um, like Joe said before, there's no experts. If you're an expert, you, if somebody says you're an expert, probably get away from them, right? Because um, you, you're never, you, you're a perpetual, you should be a perpetual student. You're, there's always something to learn, right? And, uh, and there is always something to learn. And times change, things change, principles change. You know, what we thought was a paradigm, you know, starts to shift. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. So, um, and so if you're really a good instructor, you'll always be aware of that and be looking for those nuances and those changes. Um, but yeah, what I learned from my students oftentimes, well, for example, these guys, okay, like I said, these guys were like scary, scary, scary smart. Um, <laughs> and they, they were saying things that I'm like, <laughs> look, I got a pretty high IQ and advanced degrees. And I'm like, wow. Okay, they're talking about things that I'm not familiar with, but um, as I start listening to them, I'm like, wow, that is some really, very deep, um, you know, for some very deep and interesting stuff they're saying, you know, uh, on so many levels. And yeah. and it wasn't like they had to really kind of dig for the information. It just came spewing out of their mouth like shit, you know. Um, and so I learned from, you know, there's a lot I learned from that. I also learned from students when, you know, they do good things and bad things, or they'll do something I never saw before. I go, you know what? Damn, I didn't, you know, that's yeah. the first, that's the first. Okay. And so suddenly I got another experience to put it, you know, in, in the- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, in, uh, you know, in the lexicon there. Um, and so... Yeah, I always learn. Um, and I also found this is what's really um, cool for me is the more I teach, the more I learn, because what happens is, is as I'm teaching, OK, um, when you teach somebody, when you're trained by, for example, online, right, and you're given a lecture or something, um, what it, ha- it makes you do your thought process is slows down where you really have to analyze what you're saying, how you're going to say it. Mm-hmm. And as you start saying it all of a sudden you start, um, it's almost like mapping. You all of a sudden you think of something else related to that. I go, Oh, but this, this, and you start tying things together. Right. Um, it's really, um, you, you know, it's a reticulated system, right? So everything starts becoming interconnected. Right. And before you know it, the more you do this, the more connections you make. Um, and the more you start, uh, making associations with different experiences, then all of a sudden you start realizing there's a commonality there. And now it makes it even more interesting to teach the topic because now you can, instead of being very linear, you can, you can add a lot of stuff to it. That makes any sense. So I learned by teaching intuitively, I start thinking of other things. Um, and then I start researching these other things. And then all of a sudden I see the relationships, the possible relationships to the topic I'm teaching. And therefore my, my my knowledge starts growing and growing and growing. I'm teaching myself more and more by teaching other people. Um, man, I, I tell you what, when I first started coaching, I mean, when, you know, the performance coaching online five, five and a half years ago, um, my, my curriculum was maybe eight hours and, uh, you know, and I had a small set price. 
And it was very, you know, my, my POI, my plan of instruction was, you know, very regimented. And, uh, and then as, as it's grown over the five and a half years, um, my coaching that eight hours has expanded easily in the 20 hours. Um, it could be lots more, but I have to limit it, right? Because I can only, you know, charge so much for my time per student. But, um, and as I, and the reason it started growing is I started researching more information or I came across something else. Like, oh, I didn't know that, but this fits perfectly into this. Oh, and I see the relationships of all this stuff. And suddenly my, my um, you know, my course um, is growing and growing and growing. And now mm-hmm. it's going from, you know, course 101 you know, the 501, you know, it's like just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. Um, and now I'm at the point where I've got to segment and chop things up and go, okay, I just offer this piece or this piece or this piece. Right. Um, so yeah, the upside to, you know, train, t- uh, teaching people, training people is I learn from them, either the good and the bad, or they teach me something that I didn't know. Um, and what's really cool is when they know something about my subjects that I'm teaching and they add to it, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. they know something too, right? Like, yeah. oh, okay. You know, yeah, add, that's the add best some part. of the recipe. Yeah, exactly. It's like I learned something. And you can't be so, and you can't be so, um, you know, arrogant that uh, you don't want to learn, like, or you try to shoot down or, you know, well, you yeah. know, try to counter their, their you know, their yeah. assertions. No, man, you know, be humble and go, you know what? Thanks a lot, man. That's great information. I'm going to research that some more. That is really the true strength of a teacher, a good teacher, is they can do that. If you, if they can't do that, they're not doing that, or they're coming up with reasons why your theory is wrong. Um, they're probably not a good teacher. They're still, they're still, they're not, they're not even a good student. Um, what you said about the, the process of explaining things that you already know, and you have to carefully map out what you're saying. Um, yeah, I used to, I used to discover that all the time in college studying organic chemistry or biochemistry or physics or something, even just instead of going through flashcards and being able to recite the definition, even just something like turning the cards around and seeing the definition and saying what word it is or going through a chapter backwards or anything at all, you'd start to, I guess the best way to explain it is like um, taking different routes around, like around town and you do it enough and you start to realize you're like, Oh, you can cut through this parking lot, get to Walmart and then come out over there. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, what other shortcuts are there? And then you start relearning this whole thing. And then when you do that, it's not just learning it more. You start to see different patterns and you start to see, hey, all the lights turn green this way at this time. And if you see a bus coming out of there, fuck that, go through this parking. And those things do make you become a better teacher, but it's because you are constantly in the learning phase. And I think, Dale, I think you nailed it. Uh, You cannot be so arrogant to say, I know it all. That's it's all you know it was really funny yeah it, it, this deals with, i guarantee he's gonna start laughing when i say this but so about three quarters of the way maybe halfway through the course we told told them we need you to come up with a cover for status cover for action for the next part of the course right and so and we explained it to them what that was and they're, and they're like okay so we did the surveillance, counter-surveillance piece, which was great. They actually did a very, very good job. We had radios. They communicated great. They did an excellent, excellent job. Well, <laughs> the very last night where uh, we did the – where we hemmed this guy up and pretended that he was a, uh, a hostage, his cover for status and the other guys – 
was so good, they had fucking business cards made up in a website. Fuck yeah. I bullshit you not. Dale and I were like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know what? And, and, and that was cool because it told Dale and I that we did our job, that yeah. they got it. Like, they're like, okay, this shit can get really, really deep. And they, no joke, had fake business cards fuck made yeah. up with fake names with a real cover for status, cover for action, why they were in Panama City Beach, Florida. And they even threw up like a landing page website. Fuck it's yeah. like, yeah, man, look right here. Here's our website right here. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like that was pretty badass. So, um, yeah, it was, we thought, and we threw a lot of curveballs at these guys. Like one day, um, and, and this was all planned out. We were, we were the, the pool where we swam was about 10 miles from, from Dale's residence. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just told Dale, I said, one day we're going to go to the pool and you're leaving and we're running home. And so the one day, you know, it was hot as balls out. We swam for about 30 minutes and we were swimming with fins on. So we swam about 30 minutes and, uh, you know, just walked out to the car casually. And I said, yeah, man, just put your stuff in the back of your car and come over here. And they came over and said, well, guess what? The Xville bird just fucking left. So we're running home. <laughs> you should see the look on her face. <laughs> and at that time, we had another guy. His name's Mike. Uh, big dude, former Marine, really good shape. He was with us uh, for part of the training. And uh, we hoofed it back, dude, 10 miles back to Dale's house. And uh, like I said, it was about 92 degrees out, hot as shit. Um, but it just... When you can make somebody do something like that, they probably never ran that far or it moved that far in that kind of heat. What you've done is just you've given them an experience that they can go back into their Rolodex and go, they can draw you know what, I've done this before. Fuck it, I'll walk home, right? Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about is giving somebody an experience that they can pull out and go, you know what, I've done this before. It's it's not a big deal. I, yeah, I've swam in the ocean at night around sharks and it's it gives you that confidence to do it again you know you you push the parameters in your own mind of what you quote unquote know is possible like i know i can do this i know i can do that and once you do it even if you only do it once you might you might be like i don't want to do that again but you're like i know i can you've created like in this we talked about this in depth you've created that neural pathway yeah yeah right like i've done it I know what it feels like. I know what it smells like, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that's powerful, man. For people that have never experienced certain things and you give them that experience on a silver platter, that's really priceless. Yeah, it really is. You know, yeah. you got to wonder then, you know, if you're talking to these guys and they're that intelligent and they, you know, they want to be challenged. You got to wonder, and this is kind of some like hippy dippy new age, but like it almost seems like though they're y'all in like a parallel life like y'all went the the special forces route and they went the 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 multiple degrees entrepreneurial shit right but it seems like you all kind of have that same core push it to the nth degree and then push it some more they did it in business you guys did it in the most you know dangerous field in existence it's almost like a weird 
it's like a football player and a basketball player meeting and it's like oh i i could be you in another life right that that's it, kind of it, you know what, tom it made these guys there's no doubt in my mind it made it made them more formidable business people sure you know what i mean because you you just weaponize these guys yeah you know what i mean you weaponize their brain how to think how to be aggressive how to do this da 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 and and look at things differently and that separates them from the pack yeah you know what i mean it gives them and we were always talking about that one percent advantage one percent advantage right that's all it may take is one percent and you know you just won yeah and so um but it was really cool man I, I had a great time and um you know i think that uh i just wish more people would take advantage of it and, and, and not trying to pitch what dale and i do but just doing something that's unequivocable that if you've never done anything like that, fucking go do it. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether you want to go skydiving or scuba diving or climbing, whatever the fuck it is, do something unequivocal as a man um, that you can check a block and it gives you that, you know, that shot of like, yeah, freaking alpha male shot, right? Like that's powerful stuff, man. I mean, I, I think it is. Yeah. You know? It's waning, you know, it's starting to wane in our society it has been for a while now. Um, you know, over you know, the last couple of decades, you know, the whole feminism, toxic masculinity bullshit that's out there, you know, men are becoming more emasculated. Um, sometimes they're self-emasculating because they don't want to be threatening or um in any way offensive, you know. Um, you know, it's like we we're we're losing we're losing that. And, and fortunately, there's a lot of women that are pushing back. Or no, we want we want masculine men. And there's no such thing as a toxic man or toxic masculinity, right? No more than there's toxic women yeah. um, or toxic right. feminists, right? So, um, but anyways, there's so we're we're living in a world where, you know, for example, this the one of the students who is the the Catholic priest. Um, he was actually one of my coaching clients for the last couple of years. Um, and when he called me initially and he told me he's going through the seminary to be a priest, I'm like, okay. And what are your objectives? He goes, my objective is to become a green beret. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, so, okay. So, you know, I say hail Mary and kill him and stuff. Okay. So got it. So <laughs> he did. He, he joined the army and, uh, um, he went in to be a green beret and then COVID came along and he refused to take the vaccine. Look, the guys that want to be a Catholic priest. Um, you know, he's got, I'm pretty sure he's got religious grounds to say yeah. no. Well, yeah. they booted, they kicked him out. They booted him. Okay. I know. And so, you know, here we've lost a guy that really wanted to be a green beret, yep. um, you know, conservative, all American, you know, his father was a fighter pilot. I know his father. Um, and so, you know, so we got this guy that's frustrated, um, to some degree and, uh, and he wants to do these manly things. He wants to, he wants to join the, the wolf pack. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but guess who's keeping him from doing that? The weaklings in this country, the, the weaklings are keeping them from doing it. They said, no, you got to take a vaccine if you want to be a green beret. Yep. And so, you know, you, you know, Think about that for a minute in context, the the, the whole context of that, right? We got the weaklings of our society dictating to the sheepdogs, whether they could be a sheepdog or not, if they don't take the vaccine, because they're afraid of something that's not going to probably kill them. Okay. Um, So not to digress on that topic, but the point is, 
you know, guys are losing less opportunities. Young men are losing less opportunities to, you know, stretch their wings, you know, and, 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 and run with the wolf pack, you know, um, it's being, it's being taken away from me. I, I was reading, actually, I was listening to a couple of these different, uh, like podcasts and things like that. But, uh, you know, the prevailing thought is, you know, if the prevailing thought seems to be, let's take a, let's get the masculine men. Let's get the, let's get the sheepdogs. Let's get the guys that say, no, I'm not taking the vaccine. No, I'm not tolerating this shit. No, I don't believe in binary pronoun bullshit. All right. They got to get rid of those guys because those guys like us are gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And we're not allowing these others with this agenda to get through the gate. We're standing in their way. They got to get us out of the way. So it becomes, you know, a, a situation where you have the control and the controllers, but you have no one in the middle that's basically the referee. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply or the mediator right um that's that's us and we're becoming a smaller and smaller minority um and fortunately a lot of guys are starting to see that and a lot of young men are reaching out going what do i do i don't want to be the controlled um and i don't necessarily want to be a controller i just want to be able to control my own life not everybody else's right and so you know there's no real outlets for that anymore you know look what happened to the boy scouts holy mm-hmm. shit oh man you know? You know, so suddenly it became the whatever scouts, right? But the Girl Scouts get to keep the Girl Scouts. Um, I don't think boys can be Girl Scouts. I don't think they can, not yet anyways, but we it, with the other way around. So we're taking all these all these institutions and bodies away from, you know, men. Um, you know, these are gogies, if you will, um, where men, where boys can uh, become men, you know, and, and, and go through some kind of a... Um, you know, a christening, if you will. And uh, it's being taken away because everybody's been, you know, been trained to believe that, uh, you know, if you're, if you can scare people, right, then you can reassure them with, I'll give you safety. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where we're at. Let's scare the hell out of everybody. And they're so scared now. They're scared of the toxic males, right? They're just scared of the MAGA Republicans. Um, you know, if we can get them all scared, then we can offer them a, 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 a cure, a safety, yeah. right? We can save you, but you got to give something up for that, right? Um, and there's more of the fearful. There's more sheep in this world than there are, you know, wolves and, and sheepdogs, you know, at the end of the day. So I'm in a business. So when I wrote my book, American Badass, a little, you know, not trying to put a plug in, but uh, I don't care. I remember I was sitting on, I remember I was, I was on the set for NBC with Chris Kyle, the American sniper. We were talking, I saw his book. I actually did not know he wrote the book American sniper. And I remember having a conversation with him go, damn dude, didn't know you wrote, you know, wrote a book. And he goes, yeah, I kind of wrote it. Not, you know, I got a ghostwriter, but you know, I said, that's pretty freaking cool, you know? And, uh, and so I remember like turning around, getting on my cell phone, call my management team, go, Hey, I got to write a book. And so, and I remember having the conversation with them, was the book has got to be this. I said, I don't want the book to be all about me, even though it's an autobiography. 
which is funny because on Amazon, some chick gets on and she goes, I didn't like the book. The whole book was just about him, blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's what the autobiography is. You're a fucking moron. <laughs> Bitch, so, it's a um, book about you know, Dale Comstock. Oh, my God. But even, yeah, but even though it's not a biography, what I, what I always tell people, the book is about you as much as it's about me, right? Particularly men, particularly young men. That was my audience that I was kind of trying to drill in on because I recognize even back then, you know, our youth, our men, particularly our young men um, are losing their way. You know, they're, they're becoming emasculated. You know, they're, you know, they don't want to walk outside in the rain, get their hair wet because their hair's going to get wet. Right. Um, you know, they don't play street football. Dude. I see it now where like dudes are not even looking at girls anymore. It's like, dude, there's some hot little young girls over there. And these guys are totally ignoring them. Like, you know, I mean, I see that globally internationally. Uh, I see that where I'm at right now. Um, and I, I made a comment about that to some friends the other day. I go, you know, what's going on here? Look at these beautiful girls, you know, there are a whole bunch of them. And these dudes are like totally oblivious to them. You know, they're all into their phones and, you know, and freaking weird shit, you know, and um, something's mm. going on in this world. And I think, you know, it's, it's a group think an action of the group think. Right. So I think, you know, people are being um, inculcated, brainwashed in a certain way of thinking. And it's like, this is right. And this is wrong. When in fact it's vice versa. Um, it's wrong to look at women, you know, it's wrong to flirt with girls. Right. It's like, why, how did that become wrong? Right. It's part of our nature. I mean, that's, that's part of our mating ritual, right? How do you, how do you, how do you meet someone that you can fall in love with and marry them? If you can't, if you're afraid to say anything that might be misconstrued, <laughs> some type of a sexual innuendo or, you know, you're flirting with me, even at the workplace. Why is a workplace out of bounds for, you know, I see an attractive woman, it's single, you know, and I go, hey, you know, um, I know we're working together, but, uh, you know, maybe after work, we can go have dinner. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. But now suddenly it's like becoming, oh, it's be evil you know, it's just, yeah. it's like, what is going on in our world, man? And, uh, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's it, it plays into this whole, uh, this whole idea that they want everybody to be equal. Right. So now we're, you know, we don't have men and women. We have what do we call it? birthing people. Birthing we have people. people, you know, they don't breastfeed, they chest feed all this weird shit because what they're trying to do is make us all the same. Right. All the same. On one hand, all the same. But on the other hand, they, they tie us into, uh, you know, these identity politics. We are being grouped. You know, you're you're a white male. And so if you're a white male, you're a racist and you've got white privilege. And so maybe I'm not that guy. Maybe I never had privilege, which I didn't. Um, I might be white. Uh, I'm far from racist, as you guys know my background, my history. Um, but because I'm white, I'm all of a sudden put into a group of racist, mm -hmm. misogynist, right, and privileged. And so, you know, and that's what, and this is the, this is the play out there. And this is the play by the elite on the top, the controllers, which are very few, but they're on top. Right. And, uh, and so, um, it's a weird thing. I know we're kind of getting way off from where we started, but, uh, you know, I think, um, it goes, it, you know, what I was going with this, I guess originally was we got to get our men back. We got to get our young men back. We got to get them back to John Wayne. We got to get them back to street football. We got to get them back to fist fights on the playground over girls. Um, that's where we got to get back to, man. That's where we got to get back to because that's where our enemies are back to. That's what our enemies are doing. Okay. Well, that's what I was going to say is, um, ultimately if we don't get back to it 
someone will. You can you can pussify mm-hmm. America as much as you want. You can nerf it. You can make it genderless and remove all masculine traits. And you can you can probably continue to do it. Um, but it is a closed. It's sorry. It's, it's not a closed system. We're not in a vacuum. You can completely remove it, but that doesn't stop another country from doing it. And in natural selection, natural selection gives no fucks. So it doesn't matter if an entire society outlaws toxic masculinity, the more toxic culture is going to come invade and bulldoze you and they won't give a fuck. They won't recognize your laws. No one, no one was ever, no one ever stopped an invasion because it was illegal. The Polish didn't tell Hitler what you're doing is illegal. No, a wall of tanks came through and raped your countryside. Japan told you know they didn't say hey your fire bombs are bad no we kept doing it with impunity so it ultimately it does matter but for anyone thinking that if we just eradicate it here you won't because another nation will come and fill this it's just it's just natural it gives no fucks it will come out eventually and another nation that hasn't gotten rid of it will come and bulldoze you and rightfully so so um yep, I agree um on a good note yeah you know, you're, uh, mr desantis down there one down in florida oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah man I, Marco I, I Rubio. Don't know if it's or not he deals in indonesia now but uh yeah he's a rock star man i didn't mean to go off on a tangent this is kind of like a we didn't know what the fuck we we're going to talk about oh, no, it, no. Yeah. well as always yeah. i make it up I, as I, I, I texted dill and said hey man desantis won and uh that dude's a rock star man i i he, he he's a credit to uh what he does so um but I just, yeah. uh, I well, just, you know, Florida officially is red now. Even in Miami, the you know the Hispanic population, um, in large part, voted red this time. You yeah. know, and uh, that you know, look, here's what's funny, right? If you look at the uh, the back, the border of Texas, okay, a Democrat won that that area again. Now think about the demographics, right? Um, so. Why would the Mexican? Why would the why would the people in the southern border of Texas vote for a Democrat? Open borders, because most of them are illegal aliens um, or related to them, and uh, and so it serves their purpose, you know, to have a guy like that keep these borders open, so we can bring more Mexicans or illegal aliens in, right? Not just Mexicans, but uh, whereas on the side of the Cubans, right, they're like, hey, we've been down this road in Cuba. And we don't want to go down this road no more. And we see what's right. going on. And they said, no. Right. So, um, you know, which is kind of interesting, um, you know, and, and comparatively speaking, Cubans are not Mexicans. Mexicans are not Cubans, um, you know. And so but nonetheless, you know, maybe they're the Hispanic race uh, ultimately. But uh, it's a different mindset, which I really find them interesting, too, is um, I find that, you know, you know, Hispanics tend to be culturally and religiously more conservative anyways. Um, I think I mentioned on one of the podcasts, I don't know if it was this one, but, you know, when I was working out in San Francisco um, at one of the retail stores out there doing some security work, um, what I noticed was um, you could have 70, at least 70 shoplifters a day, easily, you know, stealing thousands and thousands and thousands of of merchandise in your face because they knew they couldn't be stopped, right? You could steal up to $900 worth of merchandise before it even becomes a felony. If anybody's even willing to arrest you, which nobody was because nobody wanted to take you to court and litigate because it costs more money for the corporations or send lawyers, blah, blah, blah. It was a big freaking scam. So you could literally go in um, and steal all you wanted every day, multiple times, nothing was going to happen. It was that free. 
But what I noticed was I started looking at the demographics, who was doing all the stealing um, and who was not doing any stealing. And I looked and everybody came in at white, black, Arabs, Hispanic, Asians. Um, what I found was the two, the two races that didn't steal almost. In fact, I can't remember one time where any Hispanic stole anything. Not one time. Not one time. I only remember one time an Asian person stole something. It was a woman, an old Chinese woman stole a purse. That was the only time. Okay. Um, outside of that, everybody else was stealing like it was going out of style in your face. And uh, so, you know, I realized, well, what is the difference? You know, what is, why, why does some groups steal more than other groups, right? White people just stole, stole as much as black people. Uh, another group that didn't steal anything was Arabs, by the way. I forgot mm. to mention. There was one, actually one Arab came in at, um, I don't know where he's from, but he was definitely Arab and uh, he threatened me, you know, all Akbar stuff, you know, <laughs> I said, whatever, bitch. I said, I'll, I'll turn you into UBL too also, you know? So, um, <laughs> and so, um, but, uh, <coughs> but I had to look at it and I was like, okay, you know, there were people that had money were stealing people coming with babies and puppies and dogs in their hands, black and white and stealing. It's like, what's going on here. Right. So um, it tells me something about, there's maybe a breakdown in culture. Um, you know, I think Americans, you know, they've been in America the longest have lost their culture or losing their culture. They're losing their morality. Um, it, it, I mean, I've literally had people tell me it was okay. It's okay for me to steal. This company's got plenty of money. You know, you got plenty of money, you know? And I'm like, huh? I had, I had somebody come in and accost me one day, um, black woman. She, she started off with right away with, you know, you're, you're protecting stolen property. I said, I'm sorry. She goes, you're still, you're protecting stolen. This is pro stolen land. I go, what? She goes, yeah, this land was stolen. And then this turned into, you know, I'm like, ma'am, you know, that's your, whatever. I can't talk to you about this. I'm on duty. She didn't let it go. This thing erupted into this whole thing because suddenly now I'm a racist, uh, rapist, murderer because I'm white and blah, blah, blah. And I, this got really insane, man. I was like, these people are crazy out here. And that wasn't the first time either, right? So, we got a problem culturally in our, in our country, but, um, but back to Joe's point, you know, I, I'm happy to see that Florida has got some common sense. You know, I, I was in Florida the entire time. I've been there since 2007, you know, and uh, we're like COVID what's COVID. What are you talking about? COVID mask. <laughs> we mean mask, right. Um, yeah, kind of life went on, you know? Yeah. We, we suffered some because of the federal mandates and stuff a little bit, but uh, most people just blew it off. And uh, and said, you know, F Joe Biden, you know, and uh, and we just did what we do. And it Florida came out pretty, pretty good because of that, because one, you know, obviously DeSantis was, uh, you know, at, at the head of the wheel. Um, but um, how's that going to look for the future? Who knows, man? At least it looks like right now. Anyways, we're going to probably win the House and the Senate. Um, it, at least now we can kind of like just freaking stonewall Biden until he's done. Uh, that actually old feeble fart thinks he's going to run for election again. It's like, it, you know, and there will be people that will vote for him. They're just so, oh. they, how do you, how do you vote for Fetterman? How does anybody oh, vote? Dude, I want to see what kind dude. of people voted for him. <laughs> yeah. He won. I, and that blew me away. He's actually, believe it or not, he's uh, the mayor of Braddock. I lived in Turtle Creek, which was uh, five miles down the road from Braddock. And I don't know if you saw his debate with Dr. Oz. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The guy's dead on his feet, oh, man. He's totally brain man. dead. But that, that that speaks volumes about the people that voted for him. Oh. If they're that naive, that dumb, that intellectually deficient, that you look at a guy like that 
and and you think he's a worthy to take care of you? Here's a guy that said he's going to release one third of the felons. Okay, violent felons out there. All right, That's I mean the crazy. stuff this guy is espousing is like so counterintuitive. Anybody with any moral responsibility, moral sense, um, you know, cares about the, our children and our society, would go, no, that's a non-starter. You know, this whole, even Oprah Winfrey supported this guy. Can you believe it? She goes, well, he's such a humanitarian and, and believes in, you know, um, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, giving people second chances and shit. Bullshit, man. That's what they, you know what they call those? Recidivists, all right? When they do it again and again and again, that's what these people are, okay? And that's what they're going to become. Um, he called yeah, him the common man. He's a common man. He's one of the people, you know, like, and he may be, but he's definitely deficient. I'm not trying to make fun of the man at all, but I think no, he had deficient. a stroke at one time, didn't he? Did he not? Yeah, he had a stroke. He had a stroke a few months back, right? So yeah, and he's still not. He, he uh, says he's okay. But I watched that debate, and I don't know if he was just nervous. He looked nervous, but good Lord, I, I mean, I'm not the best order in the world, but I could have done a better job than that. Um, scary. Yeah, it's very, very scary, um, you know, that people just turn a blind eye. Just, you know, I, I don't see any of this. <laughs> All I see is this. That, that That's not me nothing. That this is well, what I'm saying. It's crazy. You, you, look, you look at the other states where they reelected Democrats um, that should have been taken over by a, a Republican. It's like, what are these people thinking? And actually, you know what it is? There are people out there, they hate Trump so much, well, anybody associated with Trump, that they will be willing to vote for the devil, devil. who will I, take I, everything I, I, and I, rape I, them I, in their ass just I, so they I, I said that today. You know, I said people would vote for the fucking devil. Before they let a Trump supporter well, in, in, yeah, there are. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I think there's a pretty, I think there's a pretty reasonable argument that people didn't, people didn't vote for Biden. They, they voted against Trump. And a exactly. lot, a, a lot yeah. of my liberal friends are like, Biden's the single worst candidate I've ever seen in my life. But I don't want Trump. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's yeah. That brings us to logic. Good oh boy, just yeah. don't vote, motherfucker. Okay, like stay out of it then. Just stay out of it. That, that brings us to a paradox. And a par yeah, well, the, you're right, right? They should just stay out of it here. But here's what the problem is. The left keeps brainwashing them like they're doing right now, saying, if the Republicans take office, you guys will be enslaved. Your children will be, will be in chains. Women will lose all their rights. I'm, I want to know what rights are they talking about that they're going to lose? What, what rights are in jeopardy? What, to murder an unborn baby? That right? Oh, that, that's not a right, right? So yeah. well, uh, outside of that... What right are we talking about? And so it's again, it's this whole fear mongering there, there, thing. There might be control. some weird manifestation of fascism where private corporations get in bed with the government and make you take a private product that you don't want, like a vaccine. Exactly. But oh, you know, exactly. that, that never happened. No, <laughs> exactly, right? Happened, Come on now. Exactly. You saw that you saw the thing that came out from uh in Europe where they, they you know they had that uh the Inquisition with Pfizer. And Pfizer came out and go, yeah, you know, we never really tested it. We didn't know if it we would didn't, actually we didn't. We never even tested to see if it stopped. Yeah, we didn't know if it would stop the spread. But we, that's what we said. We said it'll stop the spread. You'll never get it again. And, you know, no, nah, we really didn't know. You see that leak from the Department of Homeland Security on October 31st? 
about uh, how they were working directly with Facebook, Twitter. They had they had their oh, own yeah, portals yeah, yeah. on the back ends of Twitter, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and they actually even at their request had SNL. Um, I think the quote is uh, uh, make a mockery of those who question the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, direct violation of the first. Everyone's saying they're a private company. No, they were literally in bed. And that's kind of why they're all shitting their pants is because now Elon's going through all those back-end portals on Twitter. They mean the literal definition of fascism, but don't vote for Trump because he's a fascist. Fuck if I know. Um, well, well ultimately, Facebook is taking a, a, a face plant also, man. Um, yeah. No, no. It's, taking, it's like a 900 I, I, hope, I hope it goes down in flames, man. I don't give a shit about Facebook. Although I use it, I use it for my own marketing agenda. Outside of that, I hope it just gets obliterated. I have no faith in any. I've been banned from every fucking platform. Not even for for interviewing doctors. You'd think I'd get banned for having you having you guys on, but that's not even that. I get banned for having on like Doctor McCullough. Hey, I say that with love, but no, I get I get I got got blown out of out of Facebook three times. Yeah, My no, official I'm... Joe Teddy page was taken down the day after I made this comment verbatim. Hey guys, has anybody seen the comment that Coke made to their employees? Does anybody know what this means about being less white? Can somebody talk? Shut up, Whitey! The next day it was done. Yeah, so in light of. Done. In light of all these conversations, yeah, I wonder why people are reaching out to y'all to get training. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I and wonder. Tom, I wasn't even making a comment. I was just saying, hey, does, I know. Any, does anybody, did anybody see this? Can anybody, you know, so elaborate I, on it? Where is this coming from? What I'm saying is that in the wake of uh, this sludge that is circulating through the system of this nation, it certainly makes sense that those two guys with super high IQs, the smartest guys in the room go, you know what? it might be time to learn survival skills. I think, I think that that is my plug for y'all's training to see how <laughs> fucked up everything is. <laughs> Figure yeah. out how to take care of yourself and your own. Yeah, um, yeah. With that okay. gentlemen, yes, let's, sir. Let's wrap this one up. Both y'all's books, American badass loan operator will be in the description as well as I'll put in the links to y'all's training courses, your uh, Instagrams, your Twitters, all that good shit. That's fun. Yeah, cool. and uh, as always, guys, I love doing it. Joe, Thanks, don't be a stranger, man. Dale's yeah. on here all the time. You got to join us. It's cool. And, um, I'm just getting shy in my old age, man. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe my maybe my my my. Dude, I'm digging that look, Tom. I'm telling you, I, I'm digging it. It's it's really it's you know what it is. It's different. It's different. <laughs> yeah. It's it, my, it, uh, seriously, man. I I'm, I'm digging it. That's really cool. I like it. It's my stick uh, with it, man. It's my 1980s roller rink. It's, uh, that's my fallback. Me and John Fetterman are going to open an underage roller uh, rink. Bless um, yeah, but, um, do, you, do you have one of these? Oh, pink flamingo. No, uh, I fucking need fuck, that. Man. I want, no, no. I want, I want a neon sign of Dale's mustache. That's what I want. I just want the mustache back there on the wall. I might get go. that made. Just Dale's mustache. 91 confirmed kills. Mustache alone. That's funny. Joe Teddy, Dale Comstock. Let's wrap sure. this up. My brothers, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Take care. God bless. God bless.